Doxed, the podcast. I don't know. I just hope this will be like a space for you, Jubilee, to, to maybe even just talk through your part in this story from the beginning, from your perspective, and use it to just talk about whatever feels like it needs to be aired at this point, because I'm hoping this will be a little bit more of a safe space just because it's off app um, to do so. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds good. I mean, I came into this mm-hmm. as a somewhat follower of Ali's. I definitely wasn't a huge fan, but she was autistic and taught, I thought, <laughs> autistic and working in this space. And so I was following her and I found her a little bit too much of a bully. So I unfollowed her, which is fairly rare for me. But then for some reason, her stuff started coming up on my page again around the time that you, around the 10th, when you had your, your run in with her and Jane, when you started having your run with her. And then I was treating her more as an anti-guru as I do and deconstructing my part, like my thoughts about the whole situation from afar, right? My thoughts about how she was treating you, my thoughts about how she would, that I could see the bite model coming into place and that she was like, it seemed to be that she was actually starting a cult because her followers were acting in such weird ways when she would point them at people. And so I don't even remember what order I then like her, I don't know if I already knew she had a YouTube channel or not. It has like under 3000 subscribers. And I like, I have this all catalog somewhere. I'm like, but the timeline feels also interconnected. I do have the actual timeline sitting here for that one issue, but not that timeline. So then something stuck. I don't even remember what, what at what point somebody put that clip up of uh, Regina George at the assembly at the end of Mean Girls when it was like, some of us don't need to be here because some of us weren't bullied. And then they're like, yeah, okay. Who raised their hand if you're been impacted by Regina George and like everybody, including the teachers, raised their hands. And that she so clearly was that. And for some reason that unlocked the code to like this whole mean girl high school on TikTok. And how like then the burn books was like in the movie, they do those, they have burn books between the three of them, right? The three plastics and they're secret. They're like to bond over. They make fun of everyone and say the meanest things. And then at the end of the movie, Regina George lets it like, goes and tells the principal and then as as the main character is getting in trouble for it or the other she also spreads it to the entire high school so that everyone can see what who who said this and that's why the assembly ends up happening and of course burn books online are not anonymous at all they're they're public they're based on rumors and watching ali just like spin everything but have her it wasn't even it was like her followers on mass seem to be allergic to truth and evidence. And then, and and not only that, I felt like, like I must've a little bit because I followed her before. I didn't see it until I saw it. Now I can't unsee it. Like, it's like, she never gives evidence. Just that like the assumption of evidence that there could be evidence that she's holding back. She labels people as stuff without any evidence like her piece of X and says some people are autistic that aren't and other people are like, it's just so gaslighting that everybody who's involved ends up getting exhausted (laughs) and it has been Mm -hmm. um it has been interesting because i like paused saving the world for lack of a better term to like take out this mean girl on tiktok because it's a microcosm for something so much bigger like her platform is dangerous she's dangerous for a platform and she's not alone she's not the only one but there's these narcnados, I don't remember who <laughs> but like who are out there with followers who like causing havoc and destroying towns and blaming everybody else. And uh, I know that wasn't very linear, but questions? That's okay. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I wonder if you can talk more about what the burn books look like to you. And because I know you've kind of used Mean Girls as like a, a metaphor for how it's going on and that you watched it. And I love that kind of the contrast of like mean girls and lucky girls and I wonder if maybe you can talk about like how the kind of lucky girls rhetoric came in for you and what I that means it, to yeah you. the lucky girls mostly was uh, it's a cute trend on TikTok a slight like I 
I probably could have written bright sided if I could have written a book. I had brain tumors. I don't talk to family because of toxic positivity and them feeling like I could not be disabled if I just thought positively enough. But also thinking you're lucky and allowing the universe or God to take care of you is going to make you slightly more lucky. And that can apply to everyone. It doesn't make racism go away. It doesn't make your disability go away. It brings a little more luck into it. And there seemed to be this very clear difference to me between people who, the lucky girls is because it was lucky girls versus mean girls. And I spent also the water carriers that if you're standing for truth or standing on truth. It doesn't, can you imagine if we weren't standing on truth? Because it's this dizzy causing, even though we are, we have truth on our side. Like people stepping up and doing what's right. It takes so much less orchestration than anything that needs a central, central planning, right? To be like, oh God, check with the leader. Got it. It's, but the lucky girls, let's keep it on track. So it just seemed to fit. It just seemed to be something. And uh, I'll share this piece of it that I shared with you at the time. I ended up watching the movie Mean Girls. Well, I had this big uh, on my whiteboard, lucky girls versus mean girls and the whole burn book and a whole list of, of the cast. And my daughter was like, who are the lucky girls? We're in the middle of watching mean girls. I was like, I'll explain later. She was like, no, no, it just said lucky girls in it. And there's a, a character who's like a secondary character who comes in in a wheelchair and she's, it's the scene where they cut out the, the tank tops and it says lucky girls on it. And it was just so... Perfect. And there's all these things that happen in. <laughs> yeah, there's so many like, like I would call them synchronicities, but just fun little, you know, parallels. Like we both have the initials JB. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's just a bunch of them. I love the role that you, I, first of all, I totally agree with you. There's this like intuitive level that you can operate on when you're just sort of operating in truth. You just follow your gut. It turns out that you're right, you know, and that's, there's a distinct difference in who gets to just follow their gut and who has to try really hard to cover themselves at all times. And then I love the role that you have come to play in this Jubilee because you've been such a collector of information and truth. And you've been such a, um, you've had this, uh, I don't know how much you want to speak to it, but you've been putting out content and kind of insisting, I'm not an influencer. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just having these like one-to-one -one connections. And that has proved to honestly be so important to all this and such a powerful, powerful thing that I think has built like a network of people who can, you know, form a coalition and kind of go up against this big uh, thing and act together out of intuition. That's all kind of come from what you, I think, had been talking about before with your uh, One Free, I'm sorry, One Free Society, what is it called? Um, but so, I'd love if you uh, talked about that more. If we talk about my projects, we get very confusing. But my last project that I was involved with was One Free Community, and it's on TikTok. And it, it's still in existence. It's still amazing. It has a, a Discord. I was trying not to bring it in too much during it because I don't want it to get flack from Allie and like have people join it, like hate join it or just not deconstruct and yeah. join it and cause havoc when it is a real community that people like people have been involved in for a year. But the one-to-one -one connections, I mean, something weird happened to me during this whole thing where I got this huge download. I mean, I think people next to me kind of thought I was in psychosis. I maybe was, I don't know. I, I, I lost the concept of time. My kid had to like walk me through ordering a meal, but also I could see how deeply everyone was connected on, with these one-on-one -on -one connections. And if everyone could see what I could see in that, that moment in those, in those days, there would be no capitalism. There would be no colonize. Like none of that would exist because it does. It doesn't exist. Like we're already so interconnected, and it goes beyond race, beyond class, beyond. But we don't know it because we're so focused on the celebrities. We're so focused on like their like the rich people's interconnections that we're like, wait, no, we also everybody has them. Everybody is interconnected at a deep level, and I could see that on TikTok because of who was on TikTok, both with my projects, with my past life, who was on there with a following who I was already like in, who I knew from my life, who were like in my phone. It's just, we're deeply intimately connected. And so our one-on-one -on -one connections, that epiphany came through this, through like even figuring out my what, like I want to save the world, but I'm a mother and not focusing on that one-on-one -on -one connection and not focusing on my one-on-one -on -one connection with each of my family members and new people. And anyway, yeah, one-on-one -on -one connections are the key and doing it in this way where realizing Allie seems to treat her entire following as a one-on-one -on -one connection and how toxic that is. Like that they're her best friend, mm -hmm. her, her, 
following and that's not a friendship it's very confusing her whole following as a singular entity yes yeah and then they because they're in a poor social relationship as individuals right are they want her attention they want her they want to get closer to her they want to be that friend that they think they can be even like and so they're will they're going to be willing to do things they wouldn't normally do like put our entire series on someone about rumors whether that's putting their face and name on there thinking they're right and not looking for evidence or making a burn book account and not putting their actual identity on it and the like amount of ableism and racism that they just like feel entitled to in ev- and that the comment section on TikTok is just a completely different breed because of how TikTok because it's so easy to make content and so easy to comment and so, like it changed the dynamic in a way that creators are paying a huge price on TikTok for this parasocial relationship all of them and so yes i i i have been on social media for a long time in fact if i could tell my social media journey that would tell the story of like my world saving projects i might do that at some point in time but i've been collecting one on one connections basically because of my disability because i can't network and I can't do any of like all I can do is have one-on-one video connections one-on-one conversations and sometimes they never again with that person even if I want to and so anyway I have a lot of one-on-one connections and I felt like there was a point I was going to get to but I don't remember what it is now I mean I just think it's very powerful it's basically like to me it's like mutual aid in a way like it doesn't mutual aid doesn't always have to be money it can be but it's a lot of times just like these one-on-one connections exactly and then I also just love that everyone kind of comes in And because it's this loose network of trust built up over time and more with some people than with others, rather than we have to be in a lockstep formation and any dissent is punished or any, it's no, no kind of approach like that. I love that everyone is bringing kind of their own thing, their own talent and skill set and energy into it. And one of the things that you've brought into it is this, this very precise eye and the ability to put out you've been putting out a lot of content that's not getting a lot of views and I don't think you want it to but it's helping me personally so much because you're going through you're cataloging things and you're you know noting dates and you have this lovely whiteboard (laughs) I don't know if you want to talk about it but it's just like it's like you're like an external processor for me and some of the stuff I've been thinking through with it that also the cross-pollination of ideas right hearing something that like you're like wait did they see my video on that and is that where they got it or did they get it somewhere else right or did they come up with it and it's like that's not plagiarism that's just the beauty of collaboration and and uh (laughs) cross-pollination of ideas and I love it like if you're not in competition and you're in cooperation, it's like, oh no, what if you help people that I, <laughs> don't help your followers? Only I can help my like followers, right? That is the, and I do remember I was going to say that I'm not a social media influencer, that I was on social media trying to find people to save the world with. And at the same time, since I wasn't concentrating on my one-on-one connections, it was just about finding more, more, more people and not concentrating on the people I've already found and already know. And Ali unlocked something in me because part of what was holding me back was this fear, fear of just being famous because I don't want to be, but like also this fear of like, what would fame do? What would money do? What would something do to me? And I don't think that's going to be a problem because I don't think that, that uh, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to social experiment on TikTok to have my audience not fall in love with me and connect with one another and explore the parasocial relationship. I'm, I'm breaking it in other ways though, where like, I'm like trying to project onto them as not a single person, right? Like if I don't know them as a single person and they keep showing up as a single person and then I have to like, like them and not be mean. Like, like, like I, I end up liking them and not being mean to them. Right. And I'm like, damn it, you're breaking the experiment. I'm supposed to be able to project onto you as a whole. I'm not supposed to grow here. You're supposed to grow. Well, it's all a bunch of mirrors, right? One thing I really appreciate about your involvement in all of this thus far is that there are a lot of there are a lot of people that have been directly harmed and are still being actively abused by Allie every day. There's so many of us. It's like you can't even count how many. For those of us that have come together in the last couple of weeks, there have been so many offers of help. I'm saying that in air quotes because it's not always help. Sometimes that offer of help is just a way into the drama to try to leverage our stories to build their own platforms, to make their little burn book account blow up and take off because we're trending right now. Our abuse, our harm is trending right now. 
And what I like so much about your involvement is that you are helping in your own way by collecting information and getting the details straightened out in a way a lot of us can't right now because we're focused on survival, but you're not centering yourself and you're not having those side conversations like, oh, I found out A connects to B and connects to C, so this means you can't trust this person, so don't trust this person. You're one of the few that's not doing that, and I appreciate that so much because those of us being actively abused every day, we're in danger. We're in actual danger. It's not just TikTok drama. It's being in survival mode for weeks. It's being scared to look through your comments and look through your DMs because you don't know what kind of threat is going to be there. It's not being able to use your voice on your own platform that you've built forever because it's not a safe space anymore. You don't know who's watching and who's recording. And it's been so disheartening to see people within our little our little circle making it harmful from the inside and you're not doing that. And I really appreciate that so much. Thank you. And I think that... Um... One, this isn't my first time here, right? This is my first time. Like, looking back, I'm like, ooh, I've gotten involved before, but more involved. And it, this time, I've gotten more and less involved. But the other times that I was, I empowered the situation because it's like, well, if someone's not going to do this, I have to do this, right? I have to have a solution raising on anti-MLM. I have to start a Facebook group on, de on deplatforming a previous guru, a previous one, when secrets came up. Uh, I would never call Ali a guru. Um, but, oh no, I would call her an anti-guru though. But the one-on-one -on -one connections, this like, it's so easy to have an agent provocateur, whether that's just because there's a certain amount of narcissistic people or a certain amount of like people who just need to be right and get their own way there or like actually paid actors from the outside. You don't know. And this like mean girlness is like a click. And it is very much that like, did you hear what she said about you? Oh my God. Did you like breaking this trust to, for, to bond? right? To bond with, with an influencer, bond with somebody else. And if you focus on one-on-one -on -one connections, that doesn't happen because it's it's like, well, do I have a one-on-one -on -one connection with them? And who's this new person telling me this? Do I have a one-on-one -on -one connection with this new person? Because uh, focusing on one-on-one -on -one connections, I mean, ours are all very brand new, less than a month old, right? And uh, for, yeah, for, I think you two kind of knew each other before a little bit in a, in a, a little bit. TikTok Not way. in a one-on-one -on -one way, though. It was like a doubly parasocial way, I would say, yeah. <laughs> at the time. And um, anyway, yeah, that the one-on-one -on -one relationships of like seeing consistency, seeing truth, seeing logic, seeing following evidence. And that doesn't mean people have to be perfect and not make mistakes. But what do they do when they make mistakes? And even, I hate apologizing. I hate, it just, I don't like it. And so like even coming back later and realizing you made a mistake about a mistake can be a way of, of gaining power, right? But to just constantly deflect and and not take ownership of anything and lash out at anyone close to you in the most evil and horrible ways is interesting. It's interest. It's horrible. It's horribly interesting of like, I wouldn't know what Allie's going to do next because she's shockingly... I want to say unique, and I don't even think I don't think that's true. That's the scary part. Is I think a lot of influencers end up being in this category, yeah, because it draws them in. And then there's people who want to have this position to help people, to to inform people, to connect people to one another, which is what I would say I was doing before. Is like, can all of my groups were that? But me connecting with people one on one or in small group video chat and connecting other people with each other, and that will be probably what I return to, amidst the the stuff. But anyway, I don't remember where I was, but one-on-one -on -one connections and small groups and no clicks. It's like they just want to, they don't have their, their actual physical selves on the line in any way, shape, or form. And they just end up causing more, more drama and not understanding. I mean, I, every time I see Ali's side or like try to do what it is I'm doing, they end up doing it very badly and poorly, right? Like it's like, it works differently on the side of truth and on the side of, of interconnection that isn't, isn't centrally focused on one on one individual yeah and you've talked about water carriers before I wonder if you can talk more about that because I love the concept it's very Aquarian to me and also it's just uh 
I, I love that you tie it to kind of like who's putting their reputation on the line. I think that makes sense as like a litmus test in a way. Definitely correct me if I'm wrong, because I may have this wrong, but I feel like I got that from Natalie, the term water carrier, where I was listening to one of her videos and I've yet to meet Natalie one-on-one, but I got to find her through her sticking up for you. Yeah, Jane, I think you're and, right. Uh, that she had mentioned something about water carrying. And I'd heard it before in that context, but there was something that clicked in like, yeah, learning to carry, especially around what I've been doing with intergenerational and, and race work of like, especially white women learning to carry our own water and learning to get it wrong and apologize and learn to sit with our own emotions. Because I could basically see at the end of 2022, how our entire colonization forced Christianity and capitalism was caused by white Europeans not dealing with their shit, not dealing with their connection to the land, not dealing with the connection to each other, to their king, to the, anything, and basically going to making that everyone else's problem, uh, including their own, our own, our own children, especially our own children. We did to everybody else what we did to our own children first. Like we sent our kids to boarding school and then we forced, you know, other people to not, to not parent their children because we didn't want to parent our own. And we forced other people to parent ours. Well, I think it's like not only in, it's intergenerational trauma and it's the same kind of thing that trickles into a following when you're an influencer or somebody that's a leader of something like that, a thought leader who hasn't unpacked some of that same exact shit. It uh, leads to the same problems, but in sort of the microcosm of the following, which like in this case becomes very cult-like because it's exactly those same problems of colonization, you know? forced thought or whatever and that like it's like forcing your beliefs on others or learning to work with live with or separate from people that we don't share the beliefs with your only option is no everyone believe what i believe that's that forced christianity <laughs> even if it's not christianity well i wonder who was your like who was your first kind of person that you made a one-on-one -on -one connection with in this then and I think you Jane because it okay. was like on around my birthday when I just sent you a message because I, I don't send messages but I was like you said you were all right you seem to be doing all right with what Ali's brigading force was doing and so I just sent you a message saying that it happened to have been on my birthday and then within minutes was that whole thing about the friends only video that Ali reposted and that also like more synchronicity. And then, and I think it was a couple of weeks or it felt like at least a week until I had like actual one-on-one -on -one video chat, but we were, I was able to connect with people on video, on like text and stuff for yeah. the first time and then get people on signal, which works for me. And yeah, it's, that's cool. And you've been kind of using that power to uncover rumors <laughs> with the burn book accounts. And, you know, you've seemed to have kind of a lot of people are playing are playing detective and in this and uh, I think you're one of my most trusted detectives let's say because you are uh, you're kind of using these like one-on-one -on -one meetings to uncover some things that are unclear when they when everybody is kind of behind whatever level of anonymity and I wonder if there's anything particularly interesting to you about how that's come about or anything you found out by doing it that way that you could talk about or you would want to want to talk about I've really only had one-on-one -on -one conversations with both of you and what uh, no that's not true but if you come that's not true I was like but but regular one-on-one -on -one conversations I would say with uh, the two of you um th this is what I've done in the other ones right is is I mean that's not not in the big things but finding people and having one-on-one -on -one relationships because I want to find out more about their project or more about them as a person and it's it's you know, it could be, it, it's never half an hour. <laughs> They're always at least an hour, usually almost two hours, because most people are fascinating when you talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And it's really hard to not like someone when you're able to talk to them one-on-one -on -one and get to know them, at least at some level. And that is what I would love to see the people who, instead of getting on Reddit and getting involved in a new click and drama and spreading, like, get in one-on-one -on -one relationships or get in a small group and get on Zoom and have a conversation and exchange information, like actual connection. And it actually helps solve things because it helps build the one-on-one -on -one connections. It helps clear up rumors because that's what you do is you go to a one-on-one -on -one connection to clear up a rumor. But if it's a parasocial relationship, you can't, and you're not owed that. <laughs> you can't have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with each of your 300,000 followers to clear it up. And you can't just broadcast it at them because they can't ask questions to clarify. Yeah. It's uh, these receipts or something, huh? <laughs> It's the manufactured receipts for me. That's what really throws me for a loop. Um, what you were saying about not being able to have one-on-one -on -one connections with 300,000 people so they can't ask questions. That's another thing that comes up with the whole like social cult dynamic 
one, they don't want to ask questions because asking questions comes with punishment. It comes with being blocked instantly or called out or responsible made about you. So everyone sees your username and now you have the whole platform coming after you because you've betrayed this person in some way. And I think having a huge platform makes it really easy to avoid one-to-one connections because you're kind of untouchable. A connection with you is sort of unattainable when you feel like you have to weed through so many people that are kind of, kind of seems like that influencer's gate kept in a way. One thing that I'm seeing a lot is that I've started the rumor that Allie started a cult, which, okay, I'll take that credit. I mean, it's only in her username, but whatever. Exactly. <laughs> but you, you mentioned the bite model earlier. What were the first red flags for you in terms of attributing her behavior to the bite model? Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I do remember the moment where like I was seeing her TikToks and I realized that like at the beginning of nearly all of them, she was she was dictating to her audience how to one of the four, what was information, what to think, what to what to feel or how to behave. And it was done in a way that they like would naturally take action on it in her benefit. And I was, it was like, wow, that's interesting. I, I, and, and yeah, then it was just more and more so. And I think that um, unless you know what the parasocial relationship is, and if you're needing to be right in any, everything, that means you only do accept one source of information or your sources of information, right? Everything comes down to bright-sided. Your thoughts, right? Even though we're not our thoughts. <laughs> like, on our emotions and only certain emotions are allowed, but the leader can feel all of them and be horrible to everyone, but everyone else needs to be very kind and compassionate to, to the leader. The whole internet should stop to help the the leader. I was definitely saying Ali was in a cult from nearly the very beginning. Like that was literally why I was stepping up and dealing with one-on-one connections. It's like, you're a cult leader, sweetie. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I Renee's one of like, did you? I would add that video start. I said, sweetie, are you in a cult? Oh, and that, like, I, I even like people keep commenting on my TikToks, and they'll be like, you're mean. I'm like, I, and I get it, I get what it sounds like, but they're always on the ones where I'm not being mean. I'm like, did you just not want to comment on the one where I sounded too mean, or is this really the one you think that on? Yeah. Did you? And you've been going through the older content which is something I actually kind of can't stomach myself like it's very hard for me to watch and I've gone through at least like the first video that was about me watched the whole thing wasn't worth watching because it was mostly just cussing me out but then after that I really and also there's videos going back however long there's older TikTok accounts of hers that tell entirely other stories of who she is and I just don't have the spoons. I don't have the bandwidth, but you've been going through that. And I love listening to your long form content where you're just kind of like going through it and giving some commentary. And I wonder if there's anything in there that you've started to dig into that is particularly interesting or reveals anything to you about the situation or how people can kind of arm themselves with knowledge about this person's behaviors in the past or anything like that. I mean, I actually think that this this is a great example of the parasocial relationship and creating a cult and Ali's TikTok account and all of the videos on there that I don't have access to is actually, and then versus the comparison with the YouTube account and the long form content and how she presents it, the juxtaposition of those two is huge. Like, it's like, why is everyone so mad at me? And I'm just trying to do be nice and do good. And then you see, like, there's not a single TikTok of her educating people or bringing people together. It's a constant, I'm not going to attack. And like, it's, yeah. it's not even a coin flip. It's like, she just, every word's a lie. Everything she says about someone else, she's telling on herself. And there's certain things that are just, I get how I didn't see it in the beginning, but like that one video, I know I can reference, but like where she's talking about her friend dying and she's making it all about her. And there's not a single thing in there that makes him sound actually mm -hmm. bad. It's just her honestly being mad at him for dying because yes. how dare he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, yeah, and I'm one of, I think the only people involved in this whole thing that was ever in real life friends with her. Mm -hmm. And so I've like heard, I've had conversations with her about this man as it was happening. And having been her friend, I can understand why this person chose to not speak to her for years. Um, they chose not to be in contact with her for years. And she just happened to just rip the, rip the scab, open the wound and say, 
why aren't you talking to me? Why can't we just talk about this like adults? Why can't we just talk like adults? Which is like her opening line for people that set boundaries with her. If you set a healthy boundary for your emotional safety, you're not being an adult. You have to allow her to abuse you in order to be an adult. His response, and this is not just me making shit up. There's a whole four or five part series about him on her page still. But his response to her was, I'm dying, essentially. He was in the hospital and had been for weeks at that point. And I don't know what her point was in trying to rekindle this friendship with this person, even if that was her intention at all. But it def- it quickly devolved into, I need an apology for how you treated me years ago. And I need you to acknowledge my feelings from years ago. And you have to do this and have to do this and have to do this. And the man was dying. Like, the, there was no compassion for his situation. There was no, let's just put this to rest. I have my feelings, but you're clearly in a bad spot. Let me just show you love and compassion or, or send you on your way with love and light or whatever. I know she's not a love and light type, but just anything but being angry and expecting something from someone who doesn't have much time on this planet. That's the kind of person that she is. And to paint this person as a narcissist, they have NPD, they have addiction issues, they have this, that, and the third. And it's all okay with her followers to do that to a dying person. But if you mention she has any kind of narcissistic tendency, you're ableist and you're awful and how dare you and you're evil and vile. It just makes no sense. It's like the rose-colored glasses are so, it's unbelievable, especially when you're her actual friend. Like being Mm -hmm. in real life friends with her and having real one-to-one conversations with her, you really don't see it in real time. You You don't see it even on her TikToks, where you really see the true her is um, in her live streams. Like, there's a difference between her TikToks and her YouTube, but her live streams, which there are a lot of recordings of those. There there have been a lot of people that have access to those and have recorded hours of footage. And that's where she shows who she really is. The way she hosts her TikTok account, her going private, going public, her lives being completely different than her short form and then her YouTube being being completely different. Because also watching the YouTube videos, like when you take pause and realize this is edited, it's like she chooses to put up all everything she chooses to put up. Right now, is she great at editing? Probably not. She's new to it. But it's like you're choosing to put in that mistake and that vulnerable moment and cut after it. And there's other times where, like, she just cuts mid-sentence and it's like, that was abrupt. And I'm like, what did you say right after that? That even you knew not to put that up on YouTube. Wow. Yeah, that I do believe watching her content and making your own opinion on it. Because it, it is, it almost needs to be a, a, you need to encounter her as Allie first before finding out she's a cult leader. And then, and then my channel might be a little bit of a deconstruction. <laughs> like, here's walking through, uh, pick one. I mean, they're not very organized yet, but like, and they might never be. But like, pick one and then what was your favorite one? Which one did you think she came off the best in? And then go and watch that one where I take six hours to construct a one hour video because of all of her lies and lack of facts. Like she just constantly implies she has information receipts that she doesn't have. And you know she doesn't because she doesn't show it. Yeah, it's a framing effect. It's wild to see her. You know, we've literally seen, here's a green screen behind me of information that that is true and that looks terrible like it's not what you would put behind you and be like see and she just will and she's like hey everyone take that down it's gone in five minutes you know like the entire account that has the information on it because no one cares what the information is because the framing is that powerful no one cares what's being said some of these videos going back to that first youtube video she made about me it starts with her just cussing me out it's totally disorganized and i don't by disorganized i don't mean stupid by disorganized i don't mean lacking intelligence I mean, not logical, not in a way that tracks from point A to point B to point C, just a way that is like throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks, you know, the lies don't track. And, um, and then, and then she's even just had an entire video of mine, then follows it up with like, sad music, and then some sort of text like see, no apology. And it's like, what? Like unrelated to the video. And somehow people just emotionally get there on that where they're like, yeah, where was the apology? And you're like, 
like that doesn't track logically. That's what I mean by disorganized. And that's the long form YouTube videos, especially I feel like give that away unless you're unless Jubilee, you're going back. Are you going back and finding that there's a difference in like this year's content versus last year's content? Uh, so I did just because I'm doing the timeline of January, I did go back to see when she had posted her last one. She posted a video of the, there's the autism and addiction one. And there's one on alcohol. I don't remember which is which she posted one on the 3rd of January and one on the 10th of January when all the other stuff went down. It was like, nice of you to post. And I believe in one of them she is talking about if not those two the one before that she's talking about needing someone to i mean she didn't say i need someone to die but she's implying very much someone's gonna die from spiritual psychosis and she needed someone to die and then she let one of her parasocial relationships does anyone know if she ever actually talked to that person who left the comment like had a had a one-on-one -on -one conversation at any point to my knowledge they had made a public comment on her page saying that they were worried about their friend who was in spiritual psychos or something to that effect. I'm sure there's a receipt. And then a few weeks later, a month later, whatever it was, they then private messaged and said, Hey, you know, I remember my friend now she's dead. And uh, whatever that said, I don't know any more than either of you. I, again, I do, I do remember that there was a comment weeks prior a friend being concerned about their friend in spiritual psychosis, quote unquote. And then, yeah, I don't know about a private message because that was never posted. And we know Ali screenshots and posts everything. She's the receipt queen, right? One thing I don't know if there, if there was ever a follow-up with that person, that the DM was never posted. There were two comments that were posted, two different comments, I believe. I thought that the second one was a DM. I could be wrong. My understanding was the second one was a DM to her directly because they were going back and forth. It could have been a public comment, but I thought it was a private comment that she did post. So I could be wrong. The video I would that like I came into did. the situation on was a, was a comment video mentioning... The woman that died but as far as dms go unless i seen screenshots of them I don't, i'm not sure if there was an ongoing conversation or not i mean it's it's like this person could have been anyone in that person's life it could have been somebody who they hadn't mm -hmm. like talked in 10 years because they were they felt they were in spiritual psychosis because they're whatever religion they are and they you know and it could have been an acquaintance. It could have been her very best friend. It could have been the person who made her no longer mm -hmm. here on this planet. It could have been anyone. And it could have been like, it could have been Allie. Like, I don't, that one, I don't think it is. Cause I think Allie really did was like, oh, finally this moment. But who, anyone could have been on the other mm -hmm. side of that comment. It could have been planned for months ago when they first started. Remember that? My friend? speculation, I feel like that friend was a follower, a cult follower of Alice. This is my, I'm just speculating. They could have just been a, a super fan of Allie and heard about Jessica and thought, ooh, this is my opportunity to get attention from Allie because she constantly talks about spiritual psychosis. And my friend was into new age or this person that I follow was into new age and they died. They took their own life. Maybe we don't know for sure. Maybe Allie will respond to me if I send her this comment or this message. Maybe she'll go on one of her rampages and I can be a part of it somehow. Which I feel like that's what people are doing now with this situation. How can I be a part of it somehow? That's what I'm thinking happened. I don't think it's as deep as some people are taking it and running with it now. I think. Someone saw an opportunity and took it, and so did Allie. She saw an opportunity and took it, too. Two people that just wanted super attention and leveraged someone's death for it, honestly. Now they're making everybody else wrong for it, hence the new whiteboard. Mm -hmm. We'll be making that video once we get the last few dates on the board. <laughs> yeah, I love the new whiteboard. It's it's color-coded. It's got a great tent. <laughs> do you want to talk about that, or do you not want to talk about it? Because I'm because maybe you could talk about what the whiteboard is for and what your timeline is trying to figure out. Yeah, well, Ali's followers seem to be very, um, very focused on three specific dates of the real woman who died, right? The, the day that she left her house, the day her body was found, and the day the 10th when Ali jumped at that comment. And that everyone who had that confused is lying and needs to apologize when it's like those three dates, the actual person who died has very little to do with any of this. It's the other dates. It's Ali making this into a circus and then roping in Renee to, to actually be really upset about the real person who died without the context of like, did you have a one-on-one -on -one connection? Is this their best friend? Is like, who is this person, right? 
and and then reposting the friends only video that was sent to her like in an instant right and yet blaming jane for posting it friends only it was like all focusing like centering herself in this real woman's death creating the circus all of it all in that one little video that her followers are like like she that's in her youtube video that video of her posting that right and it says friends only in it and it's like how do you so anyone watch this and not realize that's what's happening right that like that was a conscious choice to post that to the internet and and turn this woman's death into more of a circus yeah and that was i believe not why it was intended why it was sent to her it was sent to her because you thought that she had that jane had been threatening ali threatening her because that's what she had been saying right and that makes it's like everything makes sense except for Allie Allie's actions never make sense except when you consider that she's centering only herself and her needs her wants my focus was on the woman that died because that was deeply disturbing and shocking to me and the fact that my friend my in real life friend didn't seem to be focused on that much at all like behind the scenes texting back and forth in the midst of all this drama, I feel like I was the only one and like maybe a handful of her followers were the only ones really concerned about, hey, someone died. Can we talk about that more? Yeah. We're throwing out the term spiritual psychosis. And people don't <laughs> even really know what that is. People are making assumptions, really big assumptions. And now people's names are being attached to this death as someone to blame for it. Mm -hmm. Why can't we talk more about that? We keep talking about wanting to honor her, but it's not really happening. And I was upset by all of that. And when I saw Jane's video saying, is this person real? What's going on there? Can anyone confirm if this person even existed? My heart was just like, <gasps> how dare, how dare you? <laughs> I was like deeply offended by that because I wasn't thinking straight. I wasn't, it didn't even occur to me that none of this, no part of this was real. No, no that never crossed my mind that some parts yeah. of this may not be true. This has gone so far that people are now questioning if this is even real. And you would think that would be kind of a wake-up call, which it was in a way, only to use me to confirm <laughs> if that person was real. Not quite the wake-up call I was hoping for, but I was happy to do that. It hopes that we can turn the focus back to Jessica. That that never happened. That never ha it still kept going to Jane, going to Jane, more and more hate to Jane. And during that time, being so upset and confused and even angry with Jane, I still didn't understand why she was getting so much hate and why the focus was so split. And when it got to the point of Allie complaining that she's in danger and being stalked and Jane's coming for me and my family, I'm so worried about my parents. And that's what made my stomach drop like, oh my God, this is drama for real. This is really just drama. Yeah. And I started to sort of walk back my support a little bit. Yeah. How soon after you sent her the friends only video did she post it? Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. I sent her that text and her text back to me was like, someone else just sent me that in DM. So a couple people were sending that and she responded within minutes, maybe 10 minutes of that. Yeah. How soon after you made the kind of candlelight video about Jessica did she because she duetted that making it some face in front of it was that like minutes or was that like the next day do you remember minutes and the framing is really powerful I mean I think that's the point like the framing is so powerful that people don't even question it even my my mother got a video sent to her that was like totally out of context and again it's like it's me with 
something like spiritual psychosis is dangerous and plastered across my forehead. And my mom's opinion of the video was, yeah, Allie seems kind of cool. She seems reasonable because <laughs> it's just like totally out of context. She really strikes you as kind of cool. Like I get how she's a comfort creator for people. I get how she's somebody people want to just kind of turn on and hang out with and even vie for her attention, you know, even vie to hopefully have mm -hmm. something to give her that will be valuable enough that she'll turn her gaze toward them in a loving way, you know? Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's very powerful, that framing, like it just creates this whole system. It, it's an ideology where an ideology being just something that an entire group of people believe and act as if it's true to the point that it's true. And that's, there's larger ideologies of society. There's this little cult ideology of Ali's world, which frankly is delusional. And then people just operate within that. And it is their reality in some sense, right? Maybe it's not enough people for it to be like an overpowering reality uh, against external reality, you know, but um, against like the, the overall society's reality, but maybe it is because it's quite a lot of people that just all kind of believe the same thing. Maybe also because of the types of followers, because we've, we've kind of figured out that a lot of the people that are some of her most devoted followers are people who have autism, people who are parents of autistic people and disabled people. And that's most, that's a large part of the demographic to my understanding. And it's, it's a very interesting dynamic for that reason as well. Yeah. The autism is interesting mm -hmm. because she claims that she is both autistic and ADHD. I have my thoughts on both of those things. Um, but if she's not, I, she's not. It went because she's not, and she's claiming it, in my opinion, she is harming the autistic community. <laughs> and the same traits th that autistic people have look a lot like what narcissistic people have, but they are com also completely different internally. And we act completely differently. We don't generally commit narcissistic abuse. And we, our masks are different. There's a lot of, of differences. And her having claiming autism and then getting an audience that is a lot of autistic people both people who i think like her think they are autistic and are actually narcissistic as well as probably some people who are the opposite right who have been told they're narcissistic their whole life and they're probably autistic and that autistic people i don't know if we all fall into one of two but like narcissistic fodder that we end up in narcissistic relationships yeah. or we're narcissistic kryptonite and I think I'm narcissistic kryptonite <laughs> and I think that was proven to me before this because I've gotten into like screaming matches with a few narcissists of like oh I really annoy you oh okay like <laughs> that were because there's no there's no supply and then I learned my lessons from it and became even more narc kryptonite because that's the thing is you just become and both sides if you become a narc um what's the other one abuse and you constantly you generally end up figuring out how to deal with that whether that's your parent or a constant partnership you find out how to how to gray rock how to deal with darvo and can you explain mm -hmm. darvo maybe because i think we talked about the bite model but um some people might not know what darvo stands for what, what it is in relation to narcissism I know she did, uh, Ali did one on Darbo and then I, I <laughs> stitched it with, uh, actually it's the drama triangle, sweetie, that you're running around. Uh, you're doing that because <laughs> oh, yeah, Ali did once claiming you were doing Darbo, right, Jane? Yeah, and she it's did. Deflect, argue, reverse victim and oppressor. Ooh, you know them way better than I do. I don't, <laughs> but um, yeah, she did accuse me of Darboing and doing and making her do reactive abuse, which essentially if you understand the reality of the situation where she's the abuser in the situation, then what she's essentially saying with that kind of claim is you made me do this to you, you know? So it's, it's doubly terrible. Darvoing with Darvo. Yeah. Like it's like, she's reactive and she's abusive. Like yeah, it's not reactive. My existence. <laughs> she's both things. I'm very clear. And she's just constantly like in all her videos, like, what do you guys want from me? You want me to die? And it's like, no, to be deplatformed. I know that feels like death to you. That feels like a crucifixion, but you are not mm -hmm. safe for a platform and a platform is not safe for you. Unless it's going out to no people, by all means, ha have a podcast of friends. Only your friends listen to it. Your actual people who know you. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, is you can't be, I mean, you can absolutely can be a narcissist in real life and, and hide it from everybody, but, but you're going to have your supply who's going to know that, right? They're going to know that about you. And so generally your closest relationships are going to know that. 
you're never going to find that out in the parasocial relationship. But collectively together, I think we can, because I think mm -hmm. we can figure out these people act completely differently than other influencers. Yeah, it is. I think it's like a type of influence. Yeah, there's been a few people that have said that she does not fit the profile of autism spectrum disorder on any level. And of course, you can't really say that openly and loudly and proudly on TikTok. So you'll be crucified for armchair diagnosing someone or invalidating self-diagnosis. Um, but here's the thing about self-diagnosis. If a physician can get it wrong, Allie can get it wrong. Like if a doctor can get a diagnosis wrong about your personality disorder or about, or about how your brain is wired, you can get it wrong, especially if you don't read a book. <laughs> you can't read a book about it. All you can do is hold up your books but not actually read them. You might have gotten your self-diagnosis wrong. And I think there needs to be a broader conversation around self-diagnosis. She had she made a viral video stitching this guy. And it was not a, it was not a great video. This guy was making fun of people self-diagnosing and saying, well, I guess everybody gets to be autistic. And she stitched it saying, if you feel like you're autistic, you get to be autistic. And really, like, what's the benefit of self-diagnosis? You learn how to take care of your sensory needs and your support needs in whatever way you can. There's not a lot of resources out there for us, but I mean, that's valid. If you, if you want to be autistic, if you feel like you're autistic, then you get to be. But there are a lot of solid tools out there to assess yourself if you don't have access to a physician, if you don't have insurance, like there is a, an access issue. So self-diagnosis is valid. But I don't think it's it's really right to say if you feel like it, you just get to be without taking any steps to really know, like going as far as you can, taking online assessments or talking to literally anyone that can walk you through those assessments to know for sure. And because you can't really poke at that on TikTok because it's wrong to poke at that in any way, she just gets away with that. And because no one's doing their research and they don't actually know what the autism profile looks like, they don't question it. And if you know, she does not fit the autism profile in any way. She fits histrionic personality disorder. She fits narcissistic personality disorder. She fits BPD, not autism. Well, and I also don't, I don't think that um, you even need to go as far, like, and yeah, I don't think we're all trying to avoid just armchair diagnosing anyone. It's more about everyone's personal experience and recognition of patterns over a long period of time with this huge amount of context that we all now have. And it's, not, it's one thing for somebody to self-diagnose and say, I believe I'm this. Um, it's kind of their business. It's another thing for me as a person who identifies as autistic to then come up against somebody who just acts like I don't exist and I'm being ableist toward them when in reality, our brains clearly don't work the same way. So I'm not sitting here trying to diagnose someone and say, you are this, but what I know is you're not like me and I know who I am. And, and when there's a large amount of people mm -hmm. experiencing this in the context of the situation, it's not like a one-off judgment. It's like, you have shown me that your thinking style doesn't match mine. It's not, if, you, if you're claiming that your thinking style matches mine, that's, uh, that's like an imposter. Um, <laughs> and that's because of my experience. Uh, and it becomes such an easy shield for somebody who wants to take advantage of autistic people because part of this, brain profile mm -hmm. is taking people at their word and like not so much under unless you really hyper fixate on learning about body language like missing sometimes when people are uh saying things under the surface or whatever and so when you come across somebody that lies and lies and lies everything is a lie it's really hard for even a normal person but mm -hmm. i think especially hard for people on the spectrum to grasp that it's a lie it's lies and lies and lies they really want to believe that like oh well you know maybe that was a lie but she's hurting or like that was a lie but she's really like she's really overwhelmed she had a meltdown and there and it becomes this shield and this well she did make these nasty faces she did like you know she did pantomime violence at people in her videos but that's just her being autistic like it's 
It's a shield. Exactly. And it's never her being autistic. And it's always almost directed to somebody who's actually autistic. Mm -hmm. And that is the danger. I will arbitrarily diagnose her because I'm like, you are harming my community. And I I know (laughs) that one of the most annoying sayings of like, Mm -hmm. people are like, everyone's a little bit autistic, right? I take that saying a little bit differently where I'm like, good, stim, vocal, like do the autistic thing then. Yeah. If you're saying everyone's a little autistic, but we should all be masking, F you. And she, because she's claiming autism, is basically doing the mega version of that, of like, everyone's, but I'm really autistic. No, you're not. And you're turning on actually autistic people. Yeah. Like the amount she's made fun of people's smirks and people's tone and word salad. I'm like, you mean complex Mm -hmm. thoughts? Yeah. Like, I was called a sociopath. I was called, yeah. I was diagnosed with, and like not even armchair, this told that the DSM-5 says I have NPD by a bunch of these followers. No, I don't. I, it's just autistic traits. Like all the things that they were bringing up are things that people with autism do. And somebody who has that should recognize that and kind of almost either doesn't or just intentionally twist it so that it's erased. It's all erased as if I was not autistic and I'm being ableist towards someone with autism it's it's like doubly mind bending because I do have autism and I think actually all three of us in this particular conversation do. Part of like armchair diagnosis is that you can't see somebody, right? And they're putting themselves up on TikTok and they're like, people are diagnosing me. With, and I'm like, I get what it looks like. I'm emoting a lot in my TikToks. And if you scroll through them, I look very chaotic. But I'm like, you can also choose the exact opposite and you can choose to put that out there. And if when you figure out you're autistic, whether it's true or not, you use it as an excuse or an explanation and more internally than externally. Like it's like, oh, this is why I, people kept misunderstanding me. This is why I didn't, I misunderstood other yeah. people. Not every misunderstanding I've ever had is their fault. And yeah. I am absolved of all mm-hmm. wrong. I haven't been given any advantage because I figured yeah. out I was autistic later in life. I just know that about myself. Therefore, I can heal a little bit. I didn't, you know, I, in fact, have gotten punished by institutions for that, for, for trying to share that part of myself. So that's not why anyone's claiming it, you know? Like her latest thing is telling people that I'm uneducated, I'm dumb, I'm not smart, I don't know what I'm talking about, how dare I talk about cults if I was just in one. One, I was raised in one, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. I do have a propensity toward high control groups. And to say that I cannot speak on cults because I was just in one, I was in hers, that's really, that's really harmful towards me as an autistic person because I do take people at face value and I don't expect my good friends to lie to me constantly. So the messaging of don't listen to Roxy because she's autistic and she believed me and all my lies. She's she's not credible because she believed my lies. So isn't she so stupid for believing me and being in my cult? And people are like, yeah, yeah, Roxy's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dumb because weren't. I believed her. And she's literally saying it. She's telling on herself right now. <laughs> like you weren't in a cult, though, because you had a one on one relationship with her. That is a completely different. I was her friend. Yes. <laughs> you trusted your friend when she told you that there were threatening texts right? You trusted your friend when she said those things, when she, like, you saw the real, the real P, right? And, and didn't know that she had not a one-on-one conversation because you would assume anyone would if they're going to make this big of a circus out of someone's death. And there's a lot of assumptions that go into it, understandably. They're different assumptions than the pair in the parasocial relationship. We're both like, you could go and confirm it, but why? Because you're just going to assume, you're going to assume, right? But I don't think that's a cult. I think that that's, like all of us probably do the bite model with our friends and family, right? And how much, how much do we let people dictate our behavior, our information, our thoughts, and our emotions? But if we're letting influencers do it, not so great. But I did want to mention her ADHD, how she talks about Adderall in her brain and her Adderall addiction. She doesn't have ADHD. That's not ADHD brain on, on Adderall. That's now a damaged brain because you overdid Adderall and you basically gave yourself reverse ADHD because your brain became dependent on medication it shouldn't have had. It never made your brain neurotypical. It made your brain on speed. And then you got addicted to it and you broke your brain. Now that's, that's an addiction is an illness, but nonetheless, that's what broke your brain, in my opinion, based on someone who has a broken brain and for nobody, brain tumors and radiation. And nobody's ADHD. picking up on that. 
No one's picking up on that. As someone who also has ADHD, and a lot of her following have both autism and ADHD, when you take stimulants like Vyvanse or Adderall, you don't get hooked on it when needed. And I know the same can be true for people that deal with chronic pain, for for some. If you need that type of pain manage, management, your body needs it. You don't necessarily get hooked on it unless you're abusing it. Pain management is a, is a different thing, but I, I deal with chronic pain. And I've heard from my doctors because I would worry. I don't have an addictive personality, but as someone that worries about things like that, I remember asking my doctor, like, and they said, you wouldn't get hooked on it when you actually need it. So don't even worry about that. And the same thing is true for stimulants when you have ADHD. You're deficient in something. And those prescriptions bring you up to par. So if she ever really needed Adderall or Vyvanse or Concert or whatever, she wouldn't have had those issues and it wouldn't have damaged her brain. And no yeah, one's I mean, like I... making that connection. I agree. I agree. I don't think like, I don't think the ADHD brain needs medication. I do believe the ADHD brain needs medication to survive under capitalism. And that it's an individual choice to be like, do I want my brain to function more neurotypically or do I want my brain to function more neurodiversely? I prefer my more neurodiversely when I take ADHD meds. It feels very linear and I don't like it, but I can tell it's neurotypical. Like I can tell there's something that does work about it. When I've taken Adderall, it, it brings me up to where I feel I should be to function in a way that's comfortable for me and productive for me. And I can go right to sleep. <laughs> Actually, on a low I can't dose, sleep on, on a very low dose, I can go right to sleep with my body. I can sleep on caffeine. I can't sleep on Adderall. Adderall, like it does, it, it makes, I have chronic fatigue and it makes it so I can't sleep and can't rest. It's one of the reasons they were like, I guess you can just take it every once in a while. And now I don't because... Yeah, well, I think this was a great conversation, but I think um, it might be a good place to stop. And uh, I am sure more is going to happen in the coming weeks and months, but we'll, we're going to weather it together, aren't we? Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxtthepodcast.com.